0: What's up everybody what uh pa what's up everybody? How's everybody doing? Hope everyone's doing great, I'm doing great. I am. Three days after the Chiefs season's over, feeling good. You know, just to point that out, four years in a row, the past four years. with my homes and everything. Every other playoff loss before that I felt just sick. we like, uh I kinda do it with this one but not not really. I don't want to talk about the Chiefs that much. I'm going to talk about Brett Beach's comments since football season's almost over. There's a couple things to go over, obviously. Um, somebody retired, somebody suing the NFL. So there's some things to talk about there. I'll talk about Kansas State a little bit, college basketball, and some recruits, like, recruits that they got, the top two that I think are going to make immediate impacts. Not immediate impacts, but definitely 2023. Um, starting off with Brian Flores. And by the way, I have an Inske's Turnover segment um, as well in between Brian Flores and a certain human being that retired from their occupation after a while. Um, Brian Flores is filing a class action lawsuit on the NFL for systemic racism in the hiring process and the Rooney Rule, as in just checking boxes, as in coaches. And don't forget, the NFL's a business, so you're going to want to keep people that you know close to you and people that you can trust, and that and that's fine. But when you're using the Rooney Rule as a joke, even if there's an incentive like, oh, let's hire this guy, then we get a second-round pick. That's just not right, man. Especially for someone like Brian Flores or David Coley, who had the Houston Texans um, garbage of a franchise, garbage of a roster, and I usually don't like talking trash like this, but just this, this whole thing is just the way I feel, and I re—I can't wrap my head around why guys like David Coley were fired, or Brian Flores was fired. Now, if this was not coming out, I can understand why David Coley was fired. Maybe there was—maybe he just wasn't the right fit. That's fine. Or maybe Brian Flores—maybe him and Tua didn't get along, and Miami feels like they'd rather invest in Tua. I don't have a problem with Tua. I think he's an okay quarterback. I'm not a person to call athletes trash. I'm not a person to call athletes choke artists. None of that. I'll make jokes, and if they have a trash of game, I'm going to say they had a bad day. Patrick Mahomes in the second half. That second half was trash. That was a very bad day. I don't care if you're facing the Cincinnati Bengals or the 85 Bears or the 2013 Legion of Boom. You cannot play like that. You cannot expect to play hero ball and get away with it. In a game like that. Anyways. I I will never throw around trash or choke to describe an athlete. Unless I'm joking or it's just like a one little one-off thing and explaining a situation or a play or a game. But I will never say that over a person's career. If I would say, Tua's not working out three years down the line, I would say, you know what? Tua just wasn't that great of a player. Good guy, just not a great player. It's okay. Anyways. Maybe that was why they fired him. Now, he essentially got fired for winning, which I'll get into in a second. I'm not going to get into the lawsuit. Not because I don't agree with it. I think what he's doing is phenomenal. My heart hurts for the guy because he's probably never going to coach in the NFL again. Not because the league is racist, although some might argue that. I'm not. This is not a political show. We're not going to get into that ever. But this is something big in sports, and I love sports, and I love entertainment. Right now I'm mainly talking sports because we got college basketball going on, college baseball is about to come back, the MLS is coming back soon. Um, obviously the Super Bowl, baseball has a lockout. There's not a lot of entertainment-wise going on that I want to talk about um, yet. Soon I will be talking about some MCU projects, a certain movie with Robert Pattinson in it. Anyways, back to this. If I had, to, if you had to ask me, like, what is the one thing how I feel about this situation in the NFL, and in the world in general, and you can use your imagination on what I'm talking about, we as a society need to judge people off of their character, not their skin color, or their looks, or the way they think. Now, maybe the way they think is part of their character, that's fine, but how they act as a person... Are they respectful? Are they polite? Are they just a good person to be around, a good person to talk to? And I feel like Brian Flores, I don't know the guy. I feel like he was a great coach, a great leader, maybe a molder of men, and somebody you could trust to have running your football team. And it kind of breaks my heart for him and anybody else that has gone through this. No matter what occupation it is. Um, on to Stephen Ross. And this is going to lead in my Ends Keeps Turnover segment. There was a report out that Stephen Ross would incentivize with Brian Flores. I don't know if I'm using that right or saying that right. However, basically he would pay him hundred grand. To lose games. To keep higher draft picks. And Brian Flores basically said. Go to hell. I'm going to do what I can to get this team to win. In 2019. Brian Flores. Thank you. You got the Chiefs second seed. Essentially home field advantage after Ravens lost. And the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. So personally. Thank you Brian. 2021. Or 2020 season. He. And the Dolphins competing. Still couldn't keep up with the Bills. Had, had a little slow start. And then this year, 1-7, and seven, and I was I was high on them once I had that seven-game winning streak. Like, I was so high on this team. And me hyping them up is leading me in my NCF's turnover segment. Why am I hyping a team up with such a piece-of-crap owner who can't trust his coach? Now, again, if it wasn't all about this whole class-action lawsuit maybe a racist issue in the NFL. Again, maybe they fired him because he wasn't working well with Tua and Miami had to decide, do we want to keep Brian or do we want to keep Tua? And sometimes if you think you have the right quarterback or eventually will be the guy, you're probably going to go with the quarterback over the head coach. I understand that part. But after seeing all this, uh, you almost want to root against Miami now. I don't want to root against anybody. But they're giving me multiple reasons right here. To root against them, not hope they fail, but hope they realize they messed up big time. Well, something I would love to see, and this is nothing against Steve Spagnolo. I talked about it with Gage on my last op- uh, episode, going over the Chiefs' season. I love what Steve Spagnuolo's done with his defense, but he is a bit of a more of an older guy. I don't know if it's possible. Maybe the Chiefs could bring in Brian Flores as defensive coordinator. I'm being biased there, obviously, but it'd be cool to see. Um, it's probably not going to happen. Spags, pro- Steve Spagnuolo will probably be there. I'm fine with that still, but anyways. um, Another in Turnovers moment, the New York Giants were scheduled to speak with Brian Flores and they just went with Brian Dayball. Yeah, they met with Brian Dayball, but they didn't even give Brian Flores a chance. They are like, no, nope, we're going with Brian Dayball. Now, Brian Dayball... Do any of you Chiefs fans listening remember how he was in 2012? It was 23rd in passing offense, 32, 32nd in points scored. And that had a decent. At Dwayne Bowe, at Tony Moyaki. Moyaki was not great, but he was good for what we had. Jamal Charles, obviously. Matt Castle was not great, but. I mean, he could have worked with them. He was okay in 2008 with the Patriots. He was okay in 2010. Yes, the Chiefs had an easy schedule in 2010, but. 2008 obviously had Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. Um, speaking of Josh McDaniels, I'll get on him later. Get on to him later. Um, Bill Belichick basically said, "Bleep the Giants, bleep the Dolphins, bleep the Broncos." Some teams that have given him headaches. Not the Dolphins, but the Giants and the Broncos. And according to this, he mistakenly. Texted Brian Flores, meant to text Brian Dayball saying, Hey, Brian, just want to congratulate you on the Giants' job. And Brian's like, and Flores is, is like, Hey, yeah, I interviewed you Thursday. I hope I get it. He's like, Well, it looks like you're the guy. Buffalo has said something. I'm like, What's going on here reading these messages? He's like, and he's like, Damn it. I effed up. I meant to text Brian Dayball, not you. Sorry, uh, sorry, Brian. BB. And that's that, and I feel like this is a conspiracy um, or a NFL is rigged thing with the whole Stephen Ross stuff, which it's not. Um, Bill Belichick basically just maybe ruin the Denver Broncos franchise who's up for sale. And the New England or the uh, Miami Dolphins and the New York Giants. Hey, maybe we'll make a trade with the USFL. Or the CFL. Or maybe even the XFL next year. Maybe Roger Goodell should get on the phone with the uh, XFL. That's not a thing. I'm just making a joke. And, apparently, and the Broncos, by the way, apparently showed up to the interview with Brian Flores hungover. Now that's not necessarily a legal thing, but that is a very big issue. Very big issue. Um, This whole thing is just mind-boggling, and it kind of gives me a headache. It makes me sad. We as a society need to be better, and I'm just going to leave it on that. Um, Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator for the Patriots, six rings, great guy now. Was he a great offensive coordinator? Was it just the fact that he had the greatest quarterback of all time and Tom Brady? I don't know. But he did go to the AFC West now. He's back in the AFC West. Was with the Denver Broncos for a few years. Did not work out well. Was kind of a hothead. Was let go in the middle of his second year as head coach. Um, he quoted talking to Jim Rome saying, Jim, uh, today he talked to Jim Rome today, so if you haven't listened to that, take a listen. It was really good. Um, told Rome that... I know a lot about football, but I didn't know a lot about people. And he was 30 years old, 31 years old, only 5 or 6 years older than me, and said, hey, we know you know football, but we want you to run the team too, basically a manager. And Josh McGaniel says the issue was is he was so young, he, all he knew was football, and he didn't know much about people and relationships with people and working with people. Can't expect a guy that young in a, in a business like the NFL to succeed. He says he's learned a lot. And I think he's going to be great with the Raiders, and that just makes the AFC West a lot more interesting. Um, If you ask me as a Chiefs fan, am I shaking in my boots? Nope, not yet. Eh, Ask me in September. Not even September, ask me in November-ish. Next up, Tom Brady officially retires. So long to the GOAT. And I kind of wanted to go over a list. When I first started this podcast, I was going over a list to kind of introduce myself, my favorite movies, TV shows, my favorite sports teams, my favorite athletes, um, why why I watch certain things, the way I the way I do things. And I want to go over my top ten favorite Tom Brady moments. And some of these I was a little young. One of these I was a little young for. The other one I wasn't. Um, number ten. And some of these you might think like, really? That's is That's that's there. But it, there's reasons for it. I'm I'm kind of silly like that. Um, number 10 is his first ever Super Bowl win versus the greatest show on turf against the Rams Um, had that game winning drive, yes Adam Vinatieri did kick the game winning field goal but Brady had to get him there and just his first year starting after the Bledsoe, almost tragic Bledsoe play um, goes out and wins the freaking Super Bowl next up is walk off win versus the Saints so I don't hate sports teams uh, before I started this podcast, about a couple of years before I started to, but with the way the world has gone lately, and I kind of referred to some of it with the Brian Flores situation, there's no need to hate. And I'm not going to hate sports teams, but I will, I will clown on sports teams and things sports teams have done. I don't like, so i like to clown on the Gen- saints as much as I can ever since Bounty Gate. Um, anyways, in 2013 season, both the Patriots and Saints were five and one it was kind of back and forth. There was not much time left on the clock. I think there was 41 seconds left. I believe zero timeouts. Tom Brady drives down the, Patri- drives the Patriots down the field. I think from the 15-yard line, Tom Brady stop- drops back to pass, finds talk to- Tompkins in the end zone, the left corner in the end zone, touchdown, game-winner Patriots win, 30-27. to Just another incredible comeback by Brady. Next up is another, in the same year, comeback win versus the Browns. Um, they won 27-26. to 26. It was 26-14 to 14 with 2.43 to go in the game. That rarely happens in Madden. Next up, his reaction to the Malcolm Butler game-saving interception. Um, there's a reason for that. Um, it had been 10 years since then, and I guess he was so young, he's like, wow, I guess this is what it's like. You just win a lot, and you just keep winning. And then they didn't win the Super Bowl for 10 years, and... On the shop, with uh, on HBO Max, it was Tom Brady, Draymond Green, Kid Cudi. or somebody else on there. I'm sorry I'm forgetting her name. But he was saying, he's like, wow, this is what it's like. And then they lose the next two and don't win again until 2014. And he's like, wow, this, this bleep is really bleeping hard. And his reaction was just classic Brady. Um, next up is the high five situation. I actually think this was the 2013 year as well. There was a, there was a uh, clip of him on the sidelines going around trying to give his teammates a high-five and nobody's really paying attention. Sits down on the bench, kind of waves at the camera, and he's like, Hi! That like, guy's that face. Another classic cheesy Brady moment because he's kind of a cheesy, kind of a corny guy, but so likable, so respectable. Um, next up is the Hulu commercial in 2020 during the, che- uh, the Super Bowl. Um, is when... The opening line was, all good things must come to an end. He's thanking the teammates, fans, coaches, whatever. And then goes into a Hulu ad. Um, script saying Hulu doesn't have live sports, they have live cable. And he's like, but for me, I'm not going anywhere. And then he goes with the Bucks. Um, and then the Foot Locker, Foot Locker commercial during the Deflate Gate situation. By the way, I was supposed to be listing these off. Uh, 10 was first ever Super Bowl, 9 was Saints... Eight was the Browns. Seven was the Malcolm Butler. Six was the High Five. Five were at the commercial um, Foot Locker. It was after Deflate Great, Deflate Gate, and he says, "Sorry, these kids are talking." They go into this restaurant and they're like, "Hey, week of greatness makes you think Foot Locker's up to something." He, and Tom Brady says, "Well, that's an unfortunate mindset to have there. That is really unfortunate." Why do we have to question things that can just be great? And um, the kids he's talking to says, it's just a question. And Tom Brady goes on a tirade saying, it starts with questions. And questions turn into assumptions. And assumptions turn into vacations. And he just goes on this tirade. And he's like, you know what? I've lost my appetite. And leaves that. And that was obviously a shot in the face at the commissioner, at the league offices, on the deflate gate BS. And you know what? Deflated footballs is not a 38-point swing. The Patriots beat the Colts' ass in that AFC championship. Deflated footballs, overly inflated footballs, beach balloons was not going to save Andrew Luck and the Colts in that AFC championship. It, it's just not happening. Next up is Super Bowl 51. Now, Atlanta Falcons were my little brother. I was rooting for this team so hard. I still do root for them, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten more mature, I'm not going to root for three teams. I'm not a kid anymore. Now I want every team to do well. I'm trying to be unbiased, but I'm still gonna ride my Chiefs hard. I'm gonna go for the Royals, Kansas State, all that. Um, watching Man in the Arena and the stuff his, him and his family was going through with his mom, and then Deflate Gate, and then reading the that Patriots book, the uh, "It's Better to Be Feared." It just made me put a whole new aspect on that game, and it's. There's some things that are just bigger than football. So that comeback with Brady and then Julian Edelman, we did it for your mom, bro. It's it's probably one of my favorite moments in sports. Um, next up though, is the Super Bowl fifty five parade. I was mad, but I wasn't. Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, they did get beat bad. But I will say I used to clown Broncos fans when they got their butts beat by the Seahawks 43 to 8. I'm like, "Ha ha, you lost." And people would say, "Well, at least they made it. At least we made it." I was like, "So, you got your butt kicked on national TV. Losers." And my first my first thought after Super Bowl 55, I was like, "Yeah, there it is. Karma got me 7 years later. Embarrassing. Just embarrassing. But hey, you got to respect the fact if you make the Super Bowl you're good, and the Chiefs obviously are a good team. They're not a one, one hit wonder. I mean, 2018 AFC champion. Anytime in the NFL, if you make a championship game or a Super Bowl, it's impressive. Now, winning a division, winning a playoff game, like a wild card divisional, like a wild card, it's it's impressive. But it's not like a, Eh. Like in 2015, when Chiefs weren't winning playoff games at all, a bleeding of that, and they beat the Texans. I know it was Brian Hoyer and. Ryan Mallett and whatnot. I loved it because it was their first playoff win in years. But anyways, next up was the Tampa Bay Bucks versus the Patriots in week four. Sunday Night Football. That was such a chess match between Brady and Bill Belichick. Brady was missing receivers left and right because of the coverages. It was just a chess match. Brady, he gets sacked. And I think there was a holding call or roughing the passer call. And he looks up with a smile on his face. I, I don't know what it was but that that matchup was just a chess match. And next up we saw it when we saw Brady at his best was the 2007 season. It put up the same numbers. It was after the whole right around the whole spygate. Brady's like, "I don't care. I'm just going to set the league on fire." And he almost did, going 19 almost went 19-0. I wish he did, but it was also cool to see Eli Manning and Michael Strahan get a ring, Tom Coughlin It's kind of one of those Super Bowls where you don't really care who wins. I'm sure some people were like, oh, heck, forget the Patriots. But looking back on it now, like 2020 vision, I feel like almost everybody respects Brady and Belichick. Except for the New York Jets, who, after Tom Brady announced his retirement, which, on his actual retirement announcement, (laughs) the New York Jets tweeted out, please let this one be real. I don't know if they actually tweeted that out. That might have been a, a joke I saw, but it looked like it was a Jets Twitter. It might have been somebody messing around making a fake tweet. But anyways, that was pretty cool. Um, he did not mention for eight slides his, the Patriots. But immediately after, Robert Kraft and the Patriots put out a tweet of a weird number 12 logo, which there's a little conspiracy there, too. There's a theory there, too. Um, Maybe Tom Brady is going to invest in the Patriots, maybe take some sort of, um, maybe put a stake in the Patriots, like be a shareholder or like a co-owner with Robert Kraft. Um, There's reports out he's going to sign a one-day contract with the Patriots to officially retire as a Patriot. Either way, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. I can't wait to see what he does after football. I always thought he'd become kind of like a small-time... Not like a, sm- like a big-time actor, but smaller roles. So he can do other things. But I'm, d- I'm definitely looking forward to see what he does. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to talk a little bit about Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Um, and then Kansas State recruits. And then... For uh, National Signing Day. And then... NBA Tears. And then that'll be it. So it'll be a small little segment to end off the show. But uh, Friday... Friday, I got something for you, so stay tuned. State versus Oklahoma State. My pick? Who do I want to win? Oklahoma State. Why is that, Dalton? I thought you are a Kansas State fan. You know, because of Bill Snyder, Frank Martin, who's now in South Carolina. I love what he's doing down there. Um, I want Bruce Weber gone. I don't like calling for coaches or human beings to be fired in their jobs. That is their way of living. But I think Bruce Weber will be fine. I'm sure he can go find coaching elsewhere. I like what he's done for Kansas State. He, went, he got us to an Elite Eight. We did win the Big 12 two years ago. Well... Co-win with KU. It's weird how they do that. Um, But doesn't have any more. Offense is inept. Defense is inconsistent. I'm sick of it. And they got some good young freshmen. I'll admit that. So if that's the route Kansas State decides to go, fine. Now, if he doesn't, then give me something to believe in in this basketball season. Other than that, I feel like he's got to go. Anyways, Kansas State, National Signing Day. There's two recruits. Um, They did resign a few players that are related or sons of former Kansas State football players. And one, Sterling Lockett. It's the fourth Lockett to play at Kansas State. Can't wait to see it. He's built like all the other Lockets. He's gonna be a great receiver, a great speedy guy. Maybe the Chiefs can draft this Lockett. I wanted them to draft Tyler Lockett so bad. Uh, him and Hill and Kelsey, just gosh. Maybe Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have had the deer in the headlights look if we had Tyler Lockett. I'm kidding. I'm good with Brian Pringle. We like. We, I like Brian Pringle. Um, <laughs> anyways, and then Adrian Lara from Arizona, rocket arm, wide base. Uh six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Very interested to see what he does. Um I've, he's was scouted as having a rocket of an arm. I think I already said that. Something I'm looking forward to. Um I told you this segment was gonna be short. I didn't want to go into a lot of detail with some stuff. Now, by the way, Kansas State basketball, Nigel Pack. Marquise Noel. They make defensive plays. Sorry, 59 seconds to go left in the first half. I'm uh kind of watching that as I record this. So sorry if you hear any background noise here. I'll mute it for my NBA tiers. So I don't go over the full league. I thought me it's easier to do in the NFL for me because you can catch almost every game. NBA, it's so hard to catch. And as I'm learning to do this more, I listen to as many podcasts as possible. I read as much as possible possible, but I'm in college going in for sports management. I would love to have a stake in a professional sports team and also have my foot, have my own show like I do now but an actual career out of it not just a hobby like it is now. Um, speaking of my show I finally got an Apple podcast. I couldn't have done that without any of you any of your guys' support so I thank you. Really, I do. Get the word out there. Tell your friends. Be a friend. Tell a friend. To quote Pat McAfee if you don't like it, just act like this never happened. Act like you never heard my voice. Act like you never listened to ISE and skip sports and entertainment. Okay, is it June yet? That's my tier for this week. Is it June yet? Um, conference finals, NBA finals. Phoenix Suns dominating. Eleven in a row. Eleven wins in a row. They're forty and nine. Um, unless COVID or injuries hit, I don't see this team slowing down at all. Golden State Warriors. They're kind of slowed down a bit by Draymond Green's injury, Stephen Curry's slump, but they just had it recently had a six and one homestand that they can kind of battle through anything. Um, kind of battle tested like the Milwaukee Bucks a little bit. Um, Memphis Grizzlies, I think John Morant and the rest of that offense can kind of just score at will. Philadelphia Philadelphia Six seventy Sixers, they can withstand anything whether it's drama or the tough Philly crowd. Okay, I know. Trust the process has been a process for eight years, maybe a bit longer. Sorry about that. I forgot. Whenever Joel Embiid was drafted, I didn't do my due diligence. Sorry. Anyways, Milwaukee Bucks again. The team has battle tested. They've won the. <laughs> I almost said the World Series. Have they won the NBA Finals? And. Uh, Domin- I wouldn't say dominant fashion, but it was pretty close. Um, closest thing to a gentleman's sweep. Um, Miami Heat, I think Jimmy Butler and Eric, Sp- Eric Spolstra, the coach-player type, I think is a dynamic duo. Like what they're doing, if you ask me. that's I did this for a reason. My top three from the West right now, my top three from the East. I think instead of calling it NBA tiers, I'm just going to do my top three from the West, top three from the East. Wow, I am so creative, and I am so smart. Okay, I said I wasn't going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, but it's my favorite team. And the NFL is an all-year-round sport. We're seeing that now with the Brian Flores situation. Um, There's, like, three different podcasts for each team when it comes to SB Nation or Fan Sighted and other stuff like that. Or Or the Chiefs have their own radio network, so a podcast with Mitch Holtis, so... There's everything. SB Nation, if you're a Chiefs fan, go listen to Arrowhead Pride. It is great. Um, Or the Kansas City Sports Network. I love what B.J. Kissel has done. He was a Chiefs sideline reporter at one point. And and then there's just the general Chiefs reporter. So, Chiefs fans, Kansas City fans, go listen to those. You will not regret it. Um, Again, Nigel Pack, another three. 39-32 headed into halftime. That was awesome. Nice buzzer beater. Nice buzzer beater, kid. Um, anyways, Brett Veach had some interesting comments in his end-of-season presser. Um, first off, he said he complimented the Bengals for that second-half finish, saying, just stay patient, because we know, and everybody knows at this point, the Kansas City Chiefs' biggest enemy is themselves. So sometimes if they make a mistake, if you can force the Chiefs to make one little mistake, and enough a big enough mistake to kind of cloud their judgment, and cloud Mahomes. Because Mahomes is still a young player. I know he's been impressive so far, but he's still a young player. Just like I'm sure Brady, was, Brady wasn't Brady was lights out at first, but the league was different. It was more of a running league, more of a defensive league, and he had one of the greatest coaches of all time and Bill Belichick. And as no offense to Andy Reid, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time too. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what any petty Philadelphia Eagles fans or any petty... Kansas City Chiefs fans or any petty um, casual football fans saying and, Andy Reid's not a great coach because he doesn't have as many rings as Bill Belichick yeah okay yeah we'll just act like that's a thing it's not a thing Bill Bill Parcells isn't really that great then he only has two or three rings come on get out of here with that crap Just I, I can't stand that argument I respect the Patriots and what they did for 20 years, but that has ruined, I'm getting off topic, that has ruined the opinions of any other sports team that has gone on a great run. I already talked about this Monday, I'm going to stop now. But anyways, Brett Veach did compliment the Chiefs for, or the Bengals, for letting the Chiefs kind of beat themselves, and they did. That I, I don't remember the Bengals doing anything really impressive in this game. In this game, my voice cracked there like I'm 12. But... <laughs> I they didn't play lights out. They didn't really play perfect, but the defense just kind of sat back and said, "Okay, there. If they make a play, they make a play. We need them. We need to change something." And they really didn't. They changed up a bit of their looks. They got a, They dropped a. They they had, I think it was Von Bell that said they they kind of changed up their coverages a little bit. And what I mean by that is they just kind of went more of a cover three instead of cover two, dropped an extra guy back. And rush four and just kind of kept Mahomes in the pocket. And they didn't even keep him in the pocket. He was running around. And I'm like, oh, he's like, okay, Mahomes, throw it, run it, something. Like, just something. And he couldn't. So Brett Veach had a point there. And when your own GM's GM saying that, that's a problem. And also, if you guys remember, when the Chiefs offense was struggling and Mahomes was broken and whatnot, um... he said, I don't think they were struggling because anybody reinvented the wheel. As in, nobody really did anything different on defense. Yes, the cover two thing. But it wasn't because of that. In other words, Brett Reach was saying, I have all these pieces that I've signed. Use them. And they started to. They used more of the underneath stuff with Pringle and Hardman and Robinson. When Kelsey and Hill couldn't get anything going. When they could, they used it. They use Clyde, Derek Gore, Daryl Williams, Jared McKinnon a lot more, especially in the playoffs. Except for the second half of the AFC championship. Tier. I was saying tier, like tier falling. I, I'm I'm kidding. Um that, that those com as a Chiefs fan, you should not be mad at how the season went, ended. I mean, I guess you could be, but it's better than what it's been. And then seeing Brett Veach's confidence and how Andy Reid felt and how Patrick Mahomes felt, you got to feel good. And like I said, the offseason goes by so quick. There's so much, at least if you're a big sports fan or in an, any sort of entertainment or you're just a busy person, hey, it goes by so quick. The first month goes by so slow, but the the rest of that. Anyways, this Brett Veach's comments says it should instill any sort of confidence in this team, especially with the free agents saying... If we can get another piece from Mahomes, we're going to. Now, that might be kind of a cliche thing. If we can get this guy, we're going to try and get him, you know. But Orlando Brown made him a priority. Tyron Matthew, he's a priority. All the Chiefs fans are saying, we haven't signed him yet. We haven't signed him yet. I guess Brett Veach and Tyron Matthew's agents made it a deal to where we're not going to talk about this now. We'll talk about it when the season ends. It's February 2nd. Everybody's saying, Tyron Matthew's gone. Traverius Ward's gone. It's February second, dude. It's okay. Just and if and if they if they go, they go. It's whatever. A team doesn't lose the Super Bowl in the off season. Well, maybe in a sense they do. Um, a team doesn't go zero and seventeen in the off season. Except maybe the Detroit and Cleveland. Um, no, I, I can't even say that because the Chiefs have been there before. <laughs> Um, before all this, anyways, and then he did bring up Melvin Ingram who kind of wants to make his own choice, but he really wants to stay with the chiefs. This seems like one of those players that are just going to kind of hang out till training camp and be like, Hey, I want to play. He's going to call whoever, and he's going to get signed to a cheaper deal because of how long he waited. I'm good with it. Melvin Ingram, get you rest up. We'll see you back in Kansas city in a few months. Um, That's all I got for today. Remember what I said, let's judge people off of their character, not the way they look. Let's just let's practice that. If I if I ever preached to you on this show, I'm going to preach that. Let's judge people off of their character. And we really shouldn't be judging people at all, but if we're going to judge them off their character, base your opinions of them of base your own opinions of them off their character. Not the way they look. Anski Sports Entertainment, episode 60. I'm out of here.